Hola, my name is Lucia Diaz. I'm the host of the Art or Representation podcast. The focus of this podcast is to make sure that Latinas see themselves in the world, feel represented and celebrated. I'm super excited to interview the, some of the most incredible Latina leaders within our community. Uh, we're gonna find out about their journey, how they got to where they are, and most importantly, how we can get there as well. So. Hola, hola. Welcome back to another episode of The Art of Representation. I am super excited to be here with a queen, someone that I've been following her journey um, since 2020. <laughs> uh, this queen, Melissa, she is the CEO of Bonita Fierce Candles, and I am just super honored to be here. The purpose of this podcast is to make sure that other Latinas see themselves represented in the world and who better than to have Melissa here on this episode with us. So Melissa, thank you so much. I really appreciate you being here. I'm a huge fan of your candles um, during the pandemic. It got me through a lot, specifically the Abuela Bakery candle. I feel like I was transported right back to my grandmother's kitchen when I smelled that candle. Um, and it gave me so much comfort in a time that for me was traumatic and dark. So I just want to say thank you for bringing light to all of us Latinas with Bonita Fierce Candles. And I love you. I love you so much. So oh my god, like so many kind words. Thank you so much for having me here. And I'm so glad that I brought a little bit of happiness into your life with Abuela's Bakery. It was definitely one of those candles that I was always so like, I was so insecure about like, are people gonna really resonate with this one? Because it could be so like I don't even know like the exact word like it can be it, it can really say oh my I'm losing my words no don't worry <laughs> I feel like this candle really can be pulled from different experiences like not everybody has the same sense of smell not everybody will love like the more gourmand sense and this and that fragrance really brings me back to a time like you know in my mom's kitchen and I really named it in honor of my abuela and like the way she baked and I love being able to share those stories and bring that you know little bit of happiness into people's lives and into people's homes thank you so much and I want you to tell us a little bit about yourself yeah so I'm Melissa founder and CEO of Bonita Fierce Candles and for me being Latina and American has never been a linear experience um it really meant a lifelong struggle for me to navigate language, culture, heritage as a brown, non-Spanish-speaking Latina. And I say that so candidly because I have had such a deep insecurity about not speaking Spanish my entire life. And it really distorted my feelings about how and what home meant to me. Mm -hmm. And because I've never you know, Latina enough, and I'm never American enough. Like, I grew up in a very white community. Like, 90% of my elementary school class was white. I was one of the only brown people there. And by the time I got to middle school, and I was influent in Spanish in Spanish class, I, like, I was this outsider. And I was like, oh, like, what do you mean? You're not, you're not Latina. Like, you can't even speak Spanish. Really distorted how I felt being like my skin com being compared to like the Italians of my class, like during their, you know, summer tans. And here I am being, you know, a little tan, being brown, mm -hmm. having curly hair and going through these feelings. But then I realized that that feeling of belonging, of finding my place and feeling home, really, I really wanted to create that experience for other Latinas out there. During the pandemic and in my young adulthood, I was really just growing into my own identity because I was feeling like I had this identity crisis. Yeah. You know, I started transitioning my hair from straight to curly, like then that was in its own transformative journey. And then eventually when the pandemic hit, I was working from home and I was trying to find community and I found this community of Latinas online and shout out to the Mujerista for being like that first place where I really felt like I belonged. And I decided to pour my first candle just out as a hobby during the pandemic. And I was spending so much money on candles and it was always my form of self-care. But then I realized soon that the scents that I grew up with weren't represented in mass market. 
and in the home fragrance industry just in general. And so I set out to create fragrances that really celebrate and honor that really represent that cultural crossroads of being Latina and American. You know, the saying, no soy ni de aquí ni de allá. That is what Bonita Fierce Candles is all about. Whether you grew up in the U.S., you're bilingual, if you don't speak Spanish, like I really wanted to like have this, you know, diverse representation of Latinas and this experience that we have in the U.S. And that is what I'm really trying to bring to life into the form of a candle. I love it, Melissa. um, First of all, you are Latina enough. You're a badass Latina, an entrepreneur, a leader within our space. And I feel like I resonate so much with what you just said. I had kind of like the inverse effect. I did grow up speaking Spanish, but every time I would get to Colombia, sometimes they would make fun of me because of my accent because they'd be like, oh, Sandra, la granquita. Like, it's just like, I try, I'm trying. But even here in the States, when I moved to Seattle to work for Amazon, people would ask me, where's your accent from? I'm like, I'm from the U.S. I'm from Miami. Like, I was born in Miami. And to feel so isolated my whole life, like not feeling like I belonged or I had a home, I think also drove me to create my own business and making sure that Latinas felt represented in art and illustration because growing up we didn't have that representation we didn't have that in media we didn't have that with other entrepreneurs and i think it's so beautiful that you you know you're very vulnerable and you're you're speaking to your truth and i think for me specifically at least your brand has helped me reconnect with my you know my family when i was in seattle i didn't have any connection in miami i didn't have contact with colombia at the time like I was just so busy working in corporate culture, <laughs> working like 70, 80 plus hours a week that your candles like really got me to a place where I'm like, you know what? This is this is this is why we need to support small businesses, because especially with this, I don't know, like for me, I, I, working in the sausage factory at Amazon made me realize like they're just peddling things that just don't represent us that don't look like us that aren't produced by people like us and so I started you know changing the way I spend my money and thankfully like I have a nurse <laughs> across the street <laughs> I can always run and get myself one of my bonita fierce candles but um thank you for shouting out the mujerista I'll make sure to put that community in the show notes I feel like that's another place where I've I've I found a lot of Latinas especially in a time where I didn't, I didn't have that many around me. So I wanted to ask you what, like, what, what's the meaning behind Bonita Fierce Candles? Like what made you come up with that name? It's so beautiful, by the way. Oh, that's such a great question. And I feel like it has changed over time. Mm -hmm. You know, Bonita is obviously pretty in Spanish and it is. And when I was trying to come up for the name of the business, I had no idea what I was going to be. Like I spent like a month, month and a half trying to figure out and brainstorm ideas. And I really wanted to settle on a name that had like this empowerment feeling to it. But I didn't want it to be so outright, but it also gearing towards Latinas and I wanted it to be in Spanglish and it was like, I had all these requirements in my head, but then settle on Bonita Fierce because it's identifiable in both English and Spanish. You're not really, you know, having this direct translation, but even a non-Spanish speaker will just realize what Bonita kind of is or the consumer that I'm trying to reach is going to know what it really means. Like if I know it as a non-Spanish speaker... I, it should be fine. Plus, you know, there is this stigma with the word fierce that I really wanted to like, deco- like to deconstruct in a way because, you know, when we say a fierce woman, we're talking about somebody who is really loud in the room, somebody who's kind of unapologetically themselves, but it has this negative stigma to it. Yeah, And that's kind of how I've gone about my life. And I feel like what my consumers really resonate with that, you know, they're like their representation in media representation of art. It's really loud. It's not, you know, always in the best light, like we're, you know, from the hood where, you know, Mm -hmm. we're ghetto and I didn't want, and I wanted to find a word that kind of had like, in a way, like the, 
the two words combined yeah. really represents a Latina. But yeah. for me, it was always in the best way because our brand also is very colorful. It's very empowering. It kind of speaks for it in itself. And I don't use the word empowering so often in our messaging, but it does make us feel like we're ambitious, that we're driven, we're motivated, that we're audacious, and that we're taking risk. Yeah. And that's kind of what the brand really represents. And it's the same in our logo, too. And I, and the story behind the brand is, you know, more about, like, that that accuracy. Like, we're really trying to accurately represent Latinos in the home fragrance industry. And it comes with the word fierce, in a way. Because we're, again, it's like a deconstruction of everything. So I mean, we're deconstructing that's... all these stereotypes. That's so beautiful. I feel like, and it's much needed, especially because as somebody, you know, I'm originally from Colombia, like my family's from Colombia, the stigmas of being a Latina and seeing how they represent us in media or in fragrances, it's like, it's not accurate. It's not the way I want to be represented. So that's why I think I was drawn to your brand so much because I felt like it was a home You know, it's like a home base. You're like, okay, this feels familiar. This feels like I don't have to, you know, change who I am. I don't have to fit into this, like, you know, Bath and Body Works eucalyptus candle that I'm just not, not digging. Like, it just doesn't feel like me, you know? So I feel like everything you just said, especially about being fierce and, you know, I'm, I used to be called when I was a kid, el terremoto, like the crazy one, because I just was very upfront and loud and I would be asking the difficult questions and I was not, like they like to say in in you know in our culture and it's like it's really important to draw from all of these experiences I feel like especially as an entrepreneur it's so important to be authentically ourselves and you do that so well so thank you so much for answering that question and my next question is going to be uh can you share with us um any challenges you face like when you started the brand um it could be anything from like funding or how you, you know, constructed your website or how you started to develop your retail plan, things like that. Like what was kind of like the first thing, the first roadblock that you hit and how did you solve it? Oh my God. Like there's just, I literally answered this like last night in a grant application because I think one of the hardest things I had to do is transition out of being a media professional and being in the corporate world and figuring out my way outside of being an academic and being a professional because you know I grew up believing that education was going to be the, my way out that I even I even went so far as to get a master's degree and I finished my master's degree in media management but in what world am I going to actually use that now probably in digital marketing yeah. for my business rather than being a straight up media professional working I used to work for one of the top 10 um, media conglomerates in the world up in in New York, in the New York City. And I really had to try and find myself and find my way out of it and then use that skill set to build my business. And that's exactly what I did. But then when I got into other areas of business, like finances, like outside of learning personal finance, it's a whole other world to learn business finance and it ain't it fun. Mm -mm. And then when I got the Nordstrom account, I had a crash course operations, logistics, supply chain management in like three months. Yeah. It was like reading a textbook cover to cover. Like if you just were handed like a biology textbook for the semester, like you're crash coursing that. And I did not have the guidance to do it. I didn't have the connections. I was like, I was a CPG outsider and I didn't feel like I had the network or knew anybody that was in my shoes because everybody I knew was, you know, selling on their own direct to consumer websites. Nobody kind of got their big break yet. And I was just struggling to figure it out. Like I went and read that textbook. I went through it over and over and over again because there would be financial implications if I didn't do it. Like mm -hmm. I had to make the sales call, excuse me. I had to make the sales calls. I had to be able to go and ask questions. I didn't even know the answers to, or what I was even asking, like 
what the hell is EDI? I didn't know. And it took me two months to learn and figure it out by myself. And I didn't have that network. So that was probably one of the most difficult challenges is figuring out how to navigate spaces where I was extremely unfamiliar that I had to do that 180 and figuring out as an entrepreneur, those areas of business, I didn't know to begin with because, and I didn't have the funding to, to hire a consultant to figure yeah. it out for me either. It's like, okay, who do I know that might know somebody who knows this? And even then to get to that point takes weeks of time. It's like, so many phone calls, like week after week, maybe some people are, are available, you know, in two weeks or in a month. And girl didn't have time for that. If she wanted to be out in Nordstrom, but Hispanic Heritage Month, Latinx Heritage Month, I had to learn today or merely yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> so that was definitely one, like two of the biggest challenges I've had as a, as an entrepreneur. Can you break down the two terms that you just, I, that you just said, um, I think it was CPG and the other one just so Oh yeah. For people that don't know, let's let's make sure that that everybody knows. Yeah, so one thing that I did learn in all of like my retail readiness, like I don't even know training, mentorship, programming, um CPG is consumer product goods, so really like a physical consumable product like a candle, like a beverage, like a beauty product. And then the other term I spoke about was EDI, which is electronic data interchange. It's essentially a system where you as the vendor, like as the small business per se, is speaking to the mass retailer who's selling your products. And it's a way for it to speak to one another about invoicing, about um, advanced shipping notices about payment terms, essentially like all the nitty gritty things that you wouldn't want to do over an email to a retail buyer. Who's, you know, the one who's green lighting your products to go into, into retail. So it's essentially this system and it like, it can do a lot. It makes my life a lot easier, but onboarding it was not fun. Like we're, we're packing boxes using this system. We're creating yeah. shipping labels using this system. And it was hard. And there's a lot of layers to it that, you know, I won't really go too deep into, but essentially it's something that really helps business owners become retail ready. And sometimes it's required by big businesses too. But Thanks. that's something I learned, you know, through this process. I just learned that term EDI. Like I had no idea that that's what it was. So thank you so much, Melissa, for for teaching us. This is your crash course on CPGs, um, and we'll definitely have a little bit more notes um, in the blog post and show notes um, for anybody that's interested in that. Um, when it, when you're talking about um, like readiness, retail readiness, did you? Like with the accelerators and especially like the Ulta cohorts, did that kind of help you, guide you? Did you have mentorship through through those? And how was your experience with that? A hundred percent. So yeah. people don't know, I was the first Latina founder to be a part of this program. And I was also the youngest founder. So if those of you who are listening, I am 25 and turning 26 very soon. Um, which is really crazy to say. And I'm also the first, you know, Latina owned candle brand in Nordstrom too, which is really, really cool. I, I say this with like such pride because I didn't expect myself to really be here. Like I said, I was going to be a media professional. So it's like totally different story, but that program in and itself was really amazing because it did help reassure the things that I didn't know and help me realize like what are the next steps after this initial point I have with Nordstrom like you know Nordstrom is a great account to have under my belt but then what are other retailers looking for so it really helped break down to me the beauty retail space and bring help me learn more about funding and access to capital 
you know, and it told me a lot about brand development. We even went into legal. Like there were a lot of different points in this program that I was able to just, you know, lean on for the Ulta team. And we were also all learning in real time because this was like the first cohort. There were eight brands, like 10 founders all in all. And so we were just, we were really just taking it all in and giving feedback literally every single week. And like, did we like this program? Did we not like this program? What could change? And so this program absolutely gave me like the additional resources for me to go back to. Thank you. Thank you so much for giving us that, you know, kind of like that review, especially because as founders, our time is super valuable. And some, you know, some accelerators are better than others. And it's really great to be able to focus our time in the ones that are going to give us the best ROI for our time. And I think it's super important to also seek them out. Um, I also wanted to ask you, how do you find these cohorts and accelerators? Like, is it something that you look up online or did someone send them to you? It's like a combination of everything. And I also yeah. wanted to say too, back to your pre- previous question quickly, because you asked about mentorship. And yeah. This program did give mentorship. Awesome. Um, I actually got paired with Julie Soprado from Rizos Curls as my mentor. Literally in the interview, I was like, the only person I, I want is Julissa. I have been looking up to her since she launched. Like I have been, I was so excited. I was on my curly hair journey. I'm like, Julissa and her team. And it was amazing to have her on board. And I got to say, I'm, you know, with the ROI reference, like we were in it deep. Like we were doing at least five hours plus programming a week. And then sometimes it would give us more. And towards the end, we were all like, really overwhelmed by the amount of content, the amount of office hours we were being given. Like it was very, and for me, it fell right in the middle of Hispanic Heritage Month, which was like, you know, the cherry on top (laughs) of trying to manage like the influx of orders, like managing it as a solo entrepreneur. And then also, you know, onboarding like two employees, like during this time. And I'm like, there's, I don't know how I'm going to do it, but we did do it. And so that was really exciting. Um, and I've already forgot your... No, it's okay. I just... Okay, before we get into that one, I'm just so damn proud of you. Like, you're such an inspiration, especially to everybody that's listening, because we think that we have to be a certain age to start our businesses. And I wish I would have started sooner. I wish I would have, like, gone for it sooner. Um, it was a side hustle. Yeah. I began as a side hustle, like everybody else. Like, yeah. I was using it, funneling the money from my corporate job Same. to be able to fund it. Same. I've been like, I'm, yeah. This is something, at least for me, this is something that I've been doing for the last 10 years. And I feel like it's finally kind of to the point where, you know, you could be full time and you could actually, you know, take on these major clients. And I think it's so beautiful that. You're just so humble about it because of your age. And you, to me, you just seem super wise for your years. And it's an inspiration for all of the, the people that are out there that, you know what? You don't have to go to a business school to start your business. Like, go out and start it because you're, there's so many things that you have to learn in the real world that they ain't going to teach you in the classroom. Like, they're just not. And no. so. And that's where I leaned into my community because I would not be here today if it wasn't for like the business courses or like the crash courses at night from like the Mojerista, from like We All Grow, like all these beautiful communities that are out there, like the ones that are supporting Latino-owned businesses already are the ones that I relied on the most. And now I remember your question. And I found all of these accelerators from these communities and from yeah. LinkedIn and from my network. Like I literally transitioned my like my LinkedIn feed. Like the algorithm was in my favor. I knew I was an entrepreneur, what I was talking about. And so like what used to be all entertainment media related then became entrepreneurship related. And so like I was signing up for like newsletters everywhere from like the females like startup uh, newsletter to like lban like the latino like business like action network um anything i could find other entrepreneurs have their have their own newsletters too and those are amazing i was fine anybody who was you know sharing grants start following them 
because that's where I find most of them. But the Black Ambition Prize, they put out so many accelerators, so many grants. Hello, Alice, another great place to find these things. I fund women like you and I were both in, you know, crowdfunding and they share grants all the time. We both want a grant from them. Like, yes, there's, like these things are, are really, really helpful. And also, I've got to say they helped refine my pitch. Um, like, the reason I got into, you know, Ulta had to do with how I told my story and how I'm solving the problem that I'm seeing in the market. And without all these applications, without like the process of going through crowdfunding, without having to ask myself those hard questions, I wouldn't have been able to have a story where, you know, someone like you who was born in Colombia, who's an immigrant to the United States, can still relate to my story somehow. You know, as someone, I think, like based on like my research and the statistics, like I am one of very, very few Latinas out there that don't speak Spanish at my age. Like, you know, the let you know, the beautiful Latino babies that are being born today are gonna be more like me who are losing language. Yeah. You know, and which is very, very sad. But reclaiming your roots is part of my story and celebrating culture is part of all of and our story as Latinos. You know, I loved how you spoke about bringing like this piece of home back with you because that's exactly what I'm trying to do. Wherever you are, I want that piece of home to come with you in the form of a can. I want it for you to be happy and to have that ephemeral feeling of home in your space. Like if you're going to have, you know, the Abuela's Bakery there, if you're going to have Cafecito con Leche there, Coquito, whatever it may be, I want it to bring such joy into your life. So... Thank you so much. Oh my God. It just like, you took me back. You took me back when I lit your candle for the first time. And it just like flooded my memories with like every single Christmas, my grandma making buñuelos, my grandma just being the sweetest thing. She would like make me an extra batch because I was always like the favorite because <laughs> I would always bring her flowers. <laughs> so she would make me extra buñuelos and pan de quesos, pan de yucas, all this amazing Colombian baked yeah. goods that just were, were for me they it just it just took me back and I needed that especially during that time because it was one of the darkest times in my life um, when I lost my job I didn't know where I was gonna what I was gonna do um, and I started my entrepreneurial journey through there too so big shout out to iPhone women because iPhone women the caress cohort especially gave me like my meaning, my purpose, my why, like, why, why do I do what I do? I don't just draw. I draw because I want to make sure that Latinas feel seen, heard, and represented. Why do I have my greeting cards? Because I couldn't find them in the store. And so I was sick of just buying these generic cards that don't look anything like us and don't even sound like us. You know, it's not it's like we're not all like fiesta here with a pinata. No, there's more to hispanic and latinidad and just that so and i totally agree with you because, <laughs> like you walk into a barnes and noble and you don't find green card greeting cards that represent us like you said it's like a piñata or a fiesta or like sombreros and like being latino doesn't automatically mean you're mexican no like i'm from like my family's from el salvador yeah and like there's nothing about that that really is represented in mainstream media at all. Meanwhile, we're at least, you know, 4% of the, like, of the population in the United States. And <laughs> it makes no sense. Like, yes, two thirds of Latinos living in the United States are of Mexican descent, but there's like a third of us out there and that are not that. That's like 30 million people at the very least, like who are not of the Latino population who are not of, Mexican descent yeah. and our experiences are all so different and so like different. I recently got engaged and do you know how difficult it is to find anything bridal related that represents me like, Girl. Girl. <laughs> like, amen congratulations on your engagement by the way Thank second you. I had that big problem too even though I was in Miami like hello we it's like a little Latin bubble down there I couldn't, I couldn't find anything that represented me. So I decided to get married in Colombia. I was like, you know what? It's going to be a destination wedding. 
whoever wants to Beautiful. come can come. And my grandfather was there and he was 103. We couldn't put him on a plane. So he was my guest of honor. Wow. He had, wow. he had shots with my bridesmaids, but we'll get into that story another time when we go out for lunch. <laughs> but, <laughs> but um, yeah, like I couldn't find anything that was appealing that could, that looks like us. And so I think there's a huge white market for, you know, for us to go and just tackle it, you know, and not wait for a big corporation to wait for October Latin, you know, heritage month to, to put something out that's going to be temporary. I want this to be no. the and mainstream part of my pitch is yeah. about, you know, saying that these scents and fragrances are in the mainstream market. We're tired yeah. of seeing the eucalyptus and mint. We're tired of the Mary Merlot, the lavender well, lemonade. And even if they did okay. do it, they're not going to do it authentically. No, they're, they're not. not because home fragrance doesn't, doesn't exist for latinos it's not it's like multicultural home fragrance is so new and it's so frustrating because even as i go and find this research like my media management capstone like when i got my master's degree i spent an entire semester you know working on research for my business to not find anything in any demographic about your ethnicity it was about gender it was about age it was about literally anything else besides your ethnicity and who was buying and it's called like the air care space so like Mm -hmm. there there is nothing in this space in fragrance and whatnot the only thing i could find was fine fragrance because it's in the beauty space Mm -hmm. and that lives in its beauty space and that there's an upward trend but it's like it's not a direct correlation you know to home fragrance and in itself i mean it's similar like yes but it's not exactly beauty it depends on this placement and it's so frustrating not to find, you know, those things in market. And so when I think about, you know, mass market coming into play, I'm like, who are you going to have at your cap table that's going to be making these decisions? Because, you know, perfuming school, it takes it takes longer to become a perfumer than it is to become a doctor. Yeah. Like finding these raw materials, going to these countries and extracting these raw materials. It's extremely difficult. And it's a beautiful art in itself. Not something I'm interested in doing myself, because like I said, it's longer than medical school and to become a doctor through residency. So like, no, thank you. But also that means like fine fragrances home is in Europe. Fragrances home is in Europe. And we're completely breaking that stereotype. Because there's so much beauty and fragrance in Latin America. A hundred percent. Like, this is going to sound weird, but, like, I kept, like, one of my jackets from when I was a kid. And I put it in a Ziploc bag to conserve the smell of my grandparents' farm. I mean, now it's it's probably, That's like, beautiful. super moldy and, and, and gross. But I, I wanted to make sure to bring that smell back because I could never... There's something that you can't bring back, like... Like, I, I just, I think you can't find in a shelf until I would met your candle. Like, until I found the Abuela's Bakery. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come back. It's, like, seriously my favorite candle. And with that, I wanted to ask you, what is your favorite scent from your entire line? Because they're all oh incredible. Goodness. That's so easy. It's Coquito. And it took so long for me to make. Yeah. It took me almost a year to make because yeah. I wanted to perfect it so much. Um, coconut's really hard to work with because sometimes it smells like sunscreen and it's <laughs> but like it was it's by far my favorite like you know I come my family like I said my family's Salvadorian but like my family's married into families that are multicultural like yeah. you know so like my cousins are half Puerto Rican so like nice. is really big in my family I love because it. of that and you know, like for me, it's like, it's so freaking good. And like, I could not find a coquito candle on the market. And so it was just so natural for me to put it out there. It's also just like, it's like inherently Puerto Rican. It's, you know, a big staple in New York, New Jersey yeah. area. That I'm And like, Miami too. You know, like Miami too. Like we, we drink coquito during Christmas time all the time. There's such a huge population of Puerto Ricans in, in Florida and Miami, and yeah. I wanted to bring that experience to life. And if this candle smells exactly like Coquito, like I'm tell- like it is one of my by far favorite creations to date. I don't know if anything else I'll ever create will be as like for me personally, like that is the epitome of what I do. 
I and mean, I'm not Puerto Rican. Like my favorite food is arroz con condules, and I <laughs> I can eat and, that all day too. Exactly, and like it speaks so much to like how I grew up too. Like I didn't traditionally grow up in like this, you know, let Latino an entire Latino household. Like we, you know, speak English at home, but like food was my source of love, hey, and like- that. And I wanted to bring, and so many of my candles are inspired by food too, because when I started the business, it was around like really like what I thought was good more than like the research in itself. Like I didn't do a ton of market research before I started what was a side hustle. Now it's really different. So, you know, those candles that will come out in the future speak more to like, you know, the consumer than it is my own experiences. But that was, that's definitely like one of my, like, it feels like a hometown favorite for me. That's awesome. I mean, that's beautiful because I feel like it does count. Like you have to really think about who is consuming this candle and you have to be authentic to them, you know, because like that's a, a complete staple. And you do such a good job of like really, you know, just bringing the comfort of being Latino, Latina into a space where it's just you know, typically we always had, at least for me, I, I in, in Seattle, I had to suppress who I was, like, in corporate, because I felt like I was too much, I was too loud, I was too colorful, I, you know, have these kind Code of switching is real. You no, know? so, It's so, so real. So real. So I just wanted to say, I think these candles, for sure, like, just give you a little slice and a piece of home, and um, when it comes to, like, Bonita Fierce candle playing, like, a larger like movement towards cultural representation and diversity like what is what do you think is the role in the future of of, of other brands like why should be should we be so focused on representation specifically for a latina brand because how are you going to really reach that target consumer yeah. how are you really going to you know we're in such an age where we we love authenticity Yes. Like we're not buying into ads like we used to. Mm-hmm. And if you're in the population's also increasingly becoming more and more diverse. Mm-hmm. And the studies studies show that you have to cater to multicultural marketing. And for Latinos, like because I was in the media space, I know so much about specifically media representation that we actually really like to consume like anybody who's bilingual really likes to consume media in English for whatever reason. Like we're not really resonating like with, you know, the Univision's, the Telemundo's of the world, Mm -hmm. unless you are a person who has been here less than 10 years Mm -hmm. and you're a person or you're a recent immigrant. Are you really going to those channels? Because most people who are born raised here, people who have been here more than half of their lives are, you know, consuming you know, media in English, but they're also geared, they want to know what's going on that's culturally relevant to them. And so as we see more representation in media as well, we're seeing that in, in products and cultural goods. And what I'm seeing too, in like for Gen Z millennials, for, for Latinos specifically, we really want to continue on with our cultural representation we want to be able to pass down tradition and so when you are passing down recipes or passing down language it's extremely important to us to preserve culture we don't want to lose it yep and but that's what that's kind of what it comes down to is that we're seeing this you know it's not really even a phenomenon like we saw the phenomenon of the 1990s when like ricky martin and shakira were like coming onto the scene and and j-lo were all like super latino all of a sudden like we had this pop culture phenomenon no we've always been here and now we're just we have the platforms and the means you know in this digital age to really speak up about what we want and we want things that represent us we want to support our communities and that's the only way I think that we're really going to be able to have this economic power is by speaking up, by spending and our spending our monies within our community. So like recently, you know, I had a customer order a candle and I saw the note it like, you know, the, the little gift note. And like I'm the one writing them still, so like I think they're so cute, and I get That's to see so like everybody's like <laughs> gifts note, gift yeah. notes because I like handwrite them still, which is like crazy <laughs> in and itself. But it was somebody who was buying a candle for a client, 
And then they put up a story, an Instagram story saying like, this is what it means to have, like, this is what it means to have like economic power, like keeping it within the community. Like you're hiring somebody within the community for the specific task. And then you're gifting them some something or product or good that was made by a Latino that was as Latino only keeping that circle going. And it's so beautiful to see so beautiful. that we're spending our money in places where it it means something. And it Amen. doesn't mean that you're only just supporting a dream, but it really means that you're changing your lives by giving us more money. Like there's no, there's no wrongdoing by putting more monies in more money into the pocket of women and of women of color. hundred percent. Amen. Amen to that. We have to really be conscious about where we're spending our money with who do they really have our best interests at heart? You know, especially with these major corporations, the answer is most storytelling. Storytelling is the best way to sell right now. Yeah. And I'm, and that's coming from somebody who is selling fragrance online. Like you literally can't smell through a computer screen. So I have to tell you what it smells like. We have to tell there's the stories behind the fragrances. And that's the only way that, you know, we're going to succeed is by being able to like have this very specific and targeted messaging that's going to hit the hearts and homes of the people who really want, didn't really even know that they needed this product. Amen. Thank you so much for that. I mean, again, like I resonate with you so much and I feel like, especially someone, a woman of color thinking about all the good that women Latinas do within our communities supporting, like for me, I always like to support United We Dream that helps DACA students um, with their application fees. Like I feel like if as a business owner, I have a responsibility to, to go to other foundations and help them, you know, because I feel like that's the only way that's going to happen. You know, I don't, want to rely on anybody else like other other people to come help our community we have to be that 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 lead so thank you so much for that and i'm just like again super inspired by your story and i want to ask you well first of all i i saw also that you're going to be in the national latino gallery at the smithsonian museum what that's going to be incredible to have your project already happened really already we're already there we're already there oh that's amazing (laughs) so when it comes to things like that like how do you plan for those types of partnerships or how do you you know come about you know introducing yourself to you know a smithsonian a you know a nordstrom like any type of retailer like how what is it that you do to prepare yourself for the pitch oh my god so it's funny enough most of the time in retail you're not actually pitching (laughs) like you're actually being sought out which really speaks volumes to the amount of brand awareness that you need to have to be in order to be able to take on these orders like people are seeking out products like these and so this kind of goes back to my background of being a media professional and like really playing on my strengths as a business owner and like being able to take this as side hustle in full time so one of the first things I did was really like lean into PR and surprisingly it worked in ways I didn't realize. And so when I started to get onto these like ongoing lists, like I'm in an NBC list of like top like 70 bis- like Latino businesses you need to know in 2021, 2022 and beyond. I got onto like one of Cosmopolitan's like best like digital, like be- best candles on the internet out there or whatever it may be. And so those articles really, really helped for brand awareness and then kind of brand trustworthiness uh, as well, because people didn't really didn't know who I was. And so I needed I needed a reputable company to be like, yeah, we know who you are and you're awesome and we support you. And I'm like, hell yeah. So that's kind of where I started. And then I was you know, it was really just starting to become transparent online. I had a viral video go um, happen because I was literally just saying how much I made per month as like, as a side hustle, working my nine to five. And people really resonate with that because it's the reality in which I live. And it wasn't even all profit. It was just like, this is what's coming in, you know, and being a, a product-based business is very, very expensive. Yes. You know, it's 
you're putting as much money as you're putting in, you might not be getting back out because of the amount of money it takes to acquire a customer, how much money it takes to ship a product. Do you like consumers don't know how much money we're spending to ship products and the money that we're asking you to pay doesn't co- cover it at all. Like if I put $9.95 ship, it is not $9.95 to ship. It's more than that for yeah. the most part, you know, and we're, we're just competing with these mass retailers like Amazon and Target yeah. and Walmart who are guaranteeing two day shipping and we simply can't do it. Like I can't be, you know, putting out orders every single day if to run this business, like they all got to go out at once, you know, and it takes so much time and effort to do that. And then paying people to make the candles, pour the candles, you know, it's definitely no, no business for the week. No, it's not. (laughs) And I did not expect it to, to be this hard. If I went back to 2020 and I thought this would all happen and what I know now, I probably wouldn't have started my business to begin with. So I'm kind of glad that I started this when I was 23. When you had that young energy. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, yeah, this could totally work. Yeah, of course. And I did like, I not know what I was in for. Simply didn't. <laughs> well, I love I love your honesty because... We have to be real. Like, I don't want people to think, you know, yeah, go out and start your own business and quit your nine to five. No, you have to be very strategic about what you're doing and how you're doing these things. You cannot just jump ship and not have any experience with what you're doing. I think a really solid thing to do, at least for me, before I transition into my full time, like, you know, my business, basically, I, I saved up at least a year's worth of my paycheck. Um, And it took like, you know, it took three or four years to get to that point. But I didn't want to sacrifice not being able to eat, not being able to pay my bills, not being able to have a roof over my head. You have to be responsible when you're coming in as a business owner because you don't want to fall into this predatory trap of, you know, these, you know, certain loans or certain VCs that want you that want you to perform at this level and always to, you know, to the right and up. It's honestly, we don't have that privilege. We don't have that privilege. And I totally agree with you. Like I didn't jump ship when I decided to quit. I was actually very, very strategic about my journey going from a side hustle to being a full-time business owner. And it really was like the most, like, I really wanted to get out. I was really, really antsy to get out of my, the kind of work I was doing. I was really unsatisfied with it. And then I took on like, like temporary jobs here and there. So I was still doing everything hybrid, still like straight up middle of the pandemic. Like people were out and about, but we're like, we don't really want to go into the office. So we're doing everything remote still. And I jumped ship from my first job in a way like I just, you know, decided like my mental health was worth more than the time I was giving this job. And so I took a three month break and I decided I'm like, okay, I can't, I can't afford to live like this. So I need to get another job. And then I did. I, I went and got a temporary job over the summer. It was paying really well. I was still doing a nine to five remotely through the whole summer. And then strategically I left you know, right at the end of September, it was the it was the beginning of Hispanic Heritage Month. It was right before the holidays, and so I did it again. I left for three months. I was three months without a job, but I had saved enough money from working these jobs and negotiating my pay to be higher. I was like, I'm super qualified to do all this work. Like, I'm going to save you all this time. Like, this is my background, and so every time I got another job, I was like tweaking out like how yeah. much I was being paid so then I can save as much money as I could funnel it back into the business being able to save you know at least three months worth three to six months worth of money to be able to live and I yeah. continued to do that for like maybe a year and then I quit it'll be I think it's like a year ago now like my last like gig and I was covering somebody from a maternity leave so I was like it's now or never. I'm not getting a full-time job after after this. I don't want one. And I was super frustrated also for the fact that I was like, um, I don't know if you know the term perm, uh, permalancer. So like you're permanently freelance. Yeah. 
-hmm. And so you don't get benefits, you don't get PTO, you don't get anything like you're just working hourly, which I always hated. And like, I was really working to try and get benefits. I'm like, at the end of the day, I wanted benefits and I never, ever got them in any of my jobs. So it was like more motivation for me to save as much money as I could. Like if there was a medical emergency or, and thankfully, because I was, I was always under 26, like I was on my parents' health insurance and I'm so grateful for that. But there was also a time when I was on Medicaid for like years and years at a time. It took a lot for, you know, my family to be able to finally like get medical, medical insurance. And really it was from my dad too. Like he was not giving my sister and I health insurance. Eventually he did. And I was finally off of Medicaid for so long. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I had that kind of sense of security and I'm very, very grateful that I've been able to live at home and not pay rent, like just pay for my way for through everything else. Like pay for my own food, pay for my own like car, like paying loans. Like there was a point that I knew that I really had to save in order to you know, save as much as I could live, you know, not beyond my means to be able to support the stream I had and to be able to go full time with the business. And like, I work just as many hours, if not more than like, you know, from my corporate job, like I was easily working my 40 hours. Now I'm working like 60 hours a week. Amen. <laughs> yeah, same here. Oh. I'm so much happier for it. <laughs> yeah, because you're building your legacy. You're not building somebody else's, you know, bank account. You know, when you when I when you launch a product for another business and it's like a two million dollar week, like you think back to yourself and you're like, well, you know what? I could I could go ahead and, you know, work for myself and create a legacy for myself. So I do really appreciate your being honest about, you know, living within your means. I downgraded everything. I moved away from Seattle moved to Maryland. I stayed with my par my husband's aunt and uncle. I stayed with them for six months during the pandemic as we were figuring out where to live because I just wanted to just pursue my business. I did not want to pay for a car or buy the house or have the dream life that Maybe our parents or society tells us that we need to have like you can you have options like look at what you're paying for look at what you're spending your money on and ask yourself is this what you really want to be investing in or do you want to invest in your dreams in your side hustle or on that trip or whatever you want to invest in because it doesn't necessarily have to be a business but think about that those realities um, and I gotta I say yeah that too that getting a grip on my personal finance, I yeah. think really laid out the foundation for Amen. having a successful business. Amen. Like if you don't know, if you didn't get financially naked, if you didn't break <laughs> down all of your, you know, expenses from the ground up, you don't know how much money you're spending, you know, on takeout versus your groceries or your loans and your, like, you know, like mentally you're like, maybe you know these things, but didn't put them in like a spreadsheet. You don't know how much money you're spending. You it's not going to translate well as an entrepreneur. A hundred percent. I mean, I think since I became an entrepreneur, like everything has got, like my credit score has gone up. My debt has gone down. Like everything that I do is like, do I really need to take out this loan? Do I really need to do this? Like, can I wait? Should I wait? Like I look at my forecasting for the next quarter. I look at what's coming in, what's coming out. And you can also track this with like QuickBooks um, for your business. And there's another software called Mint that I've been using for many years to budget, you know, the amount of money we're spending to go out to a restaurant. Like, and I love my friends. Like I have my friends in New York and also here in DC. And they're like, hey, we'd like to go on this crazy lavish trip to Japan. And I'm like, well, I can't afford it right now. You know, maybe I do have the money in the bank, but I need to be making sure that whatever I'm doing for my business comes first instead of Absolutely. us thinking, oh, because we're business owners, we're going to be on a jet plane. We're going to you know, go to a Michelin five-star restaurant. No, live within your means and be constantly updating yourself. Your numbers, your money is your power. Like, don't be intimidated by it. So 
I love that. And I'm going to kind of switch over the conversation to press because I know you talked a lot about media. How is it that, like, how how do does a business pitch themselves to a Good Morning America, uh, Univision, um, and also partner with, like, ABC, Google, BuzzFeed? Like, how does that, how did you acquire those partnerships and that media coverage? So, like, I got to say, it was, like, half and half in a yeah. way, like, half discovery, half pitching. Yeah. And... One of the first thing I did was I got actually I got a business coach. Let's start there. I hired my business coach, Ashley Stoyanabojeda. Shout out to Ashley, because the first thing I needed to do was invest in myself. And once I did, like I made that I made that leap. And obviously, it's like a business, like a business deduction. Like when we go out to lunch, it's going to be a business expense. Oh, girl, we're going to be fighting. We're going to be fighting for which credit card it's going to be. <laughs> it's mad exciting to do those things. <laughs> yes. And so when I was able to um, get a business coach, we actually, a few of the things we worked on were like honing in on my strengths. And that was pitching because I had like a small network of media professionals, like people who kind of knew each other, like front of a friend. And I reached out to those people. So for ABC, for example, I had reached out to my old intern manager and I was like, Hey, like I started a business. I just, I really love to chat and like, just like a catch up, like, you know, how you kind of like nurture those relationships and in any internship you do, like any, any opportunity you get, like I went to her and I was like, you know, I just started this business and, and I kind of strategically did it by doing it in July. Mm Mm-hmm. And I reached out to her because I knew that a pitch takes like two months to actually come into fruition, like two, three months, really like a three month mark. But, you know, from there I had her, she, she reached out to somebody in a different department who then reached out to me and the journalist came to my house and we filmed the ABC segment and that was amazing. And then another opportunity kind of like landed with, you know, GMA, the reporter, immediately just like reached out to me so sometimes it's kind of just like what are people looking for like you know and getting optimized on google like seo is so 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 important so like when somebody looks up latina candles they're going to find me and so kind of those two experiences being able to pitch the business in like four sentences like you have to describe your business in one sentence like saying Basically, the formula that I've always used is I've seen your work, reference said work. I love what you do. This is my business. And this is this is my like, this is how my business will incorporate into what's going on in the world. So whether that be any sort of diversity initiative or month, so like Hispanic Heritage Month or Women's History Month, or if it's for Mother's Day or, you know, the holiday season, like figuring out a way, figure out your angle is so important. Like it is the reason a reporter will email you back. So if you want to talk about, you know, SVB, for example, like the collapse of the bank, mm-hmm. or if you want to talk about, you know, Women's History Month, like I was able to pitch reporters based on Women's History Month. I'm like, we have two candles that are you know, inspired by Latina trailblazers. That's what I'm going to highlight for the month. Like simply put, like it is now newsworthy. So being able to pitch knowing newsworthiness. And that's kind of where like my media training, my education kind of came into play where I was like, okay, like what's going on in the world and how can I get involved in it? And how my, how can I as a founder be involved in it? And then also how my product can get involved in, involved in it. So like when I pitch NBC, you know, the, the newest, like, you know, guide for Women's History Month, it features my candles because they're like, here's the Latina Light Trailblazers collection. And it's two candles, Goma La Flor and Azucar. And if you're not Latino, like, it's kind of like, if you know, you know, Selena. You know, you know. And Selena. Selena. Yeah, exactly. So, like, figuring out your angles, I think, is really, really important when you're figuring out a pitch and in its newsworthiness and it's in the news cycle. You got to know the news cycle. You, you just gave us a crash course on PR training. Like, I'll come to Melissa's University of PR every day. 
No, go to Ashley. She's the one who no. helped me craft my fish. She has okay. a new course that came out. I'm shout outing Ashley right now in her. So, you know, what's fish her Instagram? Course. What's her Instagram or where can we find her? Uh, at Ashley Stoyanov Ojeda. So okay. I'll email you the 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 her Instagram handle. Okay, I I will be reaching out to her for sure, 100. percent But what you just said, your formula, the angle. That is so important. Like, I just got reached out by um, Hello Alice on the BBC to do an angle on Latinas that have been laid off from their jobs and started a business. Like, think about what you can come, like, what can you bring to the table for the reporter and and really try to, like, nurture those relationships. Don't just, just like, cold email them or DM them. Like, ask them how they want to get pitched. Do not send people Instagram DMs or Twitter DMs and expect a response, you know, like never like go follow them on those platforms, but then find their email, exactly. find their emails and then pitch them. Like I have no problems cold pitching reporters. Like it's definitely how I've gotten press before. Like I think me too did a piece, did a piece on um, Latino products. You should shop for Mother's Day. And so I put in the Lavender Fabuloso candle because who didn't wake up to their mom like <laughs> like with their old stereo like yeah. blasting out salsa because that's I know that's how I woke up in the morning. Same. So like you wake up to that smell and it's kind of like this niche but funny kitsy kind of gift, but it works. And so that's kind of how I've always gone about pitching. I love it. I mean, you were a master storyteller. I mean, not only through your candles, but the way you like take us through that journey and i think that's super important nowadays like storytelling is key and understanding your brand and understanding that you're the guide like you're it's not about us as founders it's about what we do for our customers and i i just melissa like i could talk to you for the whole day but you're you're a founder you're a ceo she's a boss and so i know you got a lot of stuff to do but with that, Melissa, I wanted to thank you from the bottom of my heart for being on this podcast and for talking about, you know, your experience as a business owner and walking us through so much that I feel like you really unpacked your journey so beautifully. And I really just want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart for being that representation. And because of you, like, and seeing women like you, Latinas like you start their business, I'm like, you know what? I could go out and do it too because the representation is there. And so uh, my last question uh, before we get into like how everybody can find you is what does representation mean to you? It means peace. That's like the first thing that came up because there's so much, I found so much peace in being able to find my identity and really being able to embrace that and candles are always my form of self-care and that's kind of how I've interjected like my life into my business is by being able to find peace and I find peace reclaiming my roots and it's a very hard journey you know because there's a language barrier that I face when I go visit Latin American countries and there's stigmas and and that's going to be a lifelong struggle for me no matter how hard I try I will never be Latina enough for other people but I'm a Latina enough for myself because that's who I am and that's how I identify and I found so much I find so much peace when I see representation I find joy in seeing products on shelves that represent me because I didn't find them you know I was a Barbie girl growing up and in what world and now Mattel has taken such a beautiful stance on on Latinas and embracing multiculturalism in this world, like in 20 plus 25 years, they've really turned it around. Like you now see a Latina NASA astronaut as a Barbie. Crazy. I would have have loved to have seen that kind of stuff when I was a kid. Oh yeah. So it just brings me like just so much joy and peace to see this representation out on the market. I love that. Um, and I would have probably caught that Barbie doll because I, I definitely love space and I'm a total nerd for astronomy. But with that, Melissa, me gracias. Like, I adore you. I am like, seriously, will always be your biggest fan and someone that will always support you any way and every way I can. I wanted to ask you, how can my community support you right now in this journey? What can we do? How can we empower you? How can we uplift you? 
what is what is it that you need people to do right now? I need people to share and shop. You know, you can find us at bonitafiercecandles.com. You can shop us at Nordstrom. And you can also find us at a bunch of select retailers. You can find them all on our website where you can shop us IRL, in person. And, you know, share our content online. Engage with us because, you know, the algorithm is not always in our favor. And so when you share anything from, like, a meme to, like, our candle education videos, like, that, it costs no money to do that. No so money. you can find us, you know, on all socials at Bonita Fierce Candles. And I really hope to see everyone, you know, commenting, engaging. And I find so much joy in engaging with their customers. And as soon as I get, like, anything, anybody sharing, like, like I said, I write all of the gift notes. Like, I'm all up in it. Like, I love seeing candle joy. <laughs> That's amazing. I I mean, again, Alyssa, aquí siempre voy a estar a la orden. And I'm going to shout to the top of my lungs that everybody go and, and purchase one of your candles because it will transport you to either a place that feels like home or you could, you know, establish your own medium of, of home with Bonita Fierce Candles. So thank you so much for being with us today. Melissa, again, it was a complete honor. Thank you to everybody that's listening. We will have all the details in the show notes. Please make sure to follow Melissa with Bonita Fierce Candles and share the content out. And also, if you know of anybody that would appreciate her product, send them a DM and say, hey, check out this new amazing Como La Flor candle, especially to those Selena lovers that are out there. So please know that, Melissa, you are an inspiration. You're a leader. You are a badass. Te quiero. I love you so much. <laughs> and to everybody that is listening, Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for making it all the way to the end. Please subscribe to the Art of Representation podcast where Latinas like you can feel seen, celebrated, and represented in the world. Thank you so much. And we're signing out for today. Bye, Thank everyone. You. Thank you so much, Rosa. Ciao. Mil gracias for listening to this episode. Thank you, thank you for your support. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast and also do me a huge favor. Send this episode to your amiga, anybody that would enjoy listening to this specific episode. And make sure to also leave a review. That will help us get found by more amazing Latinas como tú. Bueno, recuerde, tú eres capaz. You are able to do anything that you set your mind to. You're a badass. And if you need a reminder, make sure to slide into my DMs. It's Hola Lucia Diaz in all platforms. Ciao!